It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is April 9th, bleeding into April 10th, 2020. My name is Philip Ross and I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we're going to go back and look at some of the questions that we had for the Orlando Magic at each quarter interval. Like What I like to do with the NBA season is I, is I do split the season into quarters, and, and I usually try to take a pause uh, every 20 games or so and say, okay, this is this is who's played well, this is, this is kind of how we assess things, and then look forward and ask questions for the next quarter of the season. We're going to revisit some of those questions on today's episode. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching your every download podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast here covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, this podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. We had Adam Morris of Locked On Nuggets on our show last time talking about the 2009 season, both the 2009 Magic and 2009 Nuggets. Be sure to check out Locked On Nuggets as they're currently going through the entire 2009 playoffs from the Denver Nuggets perspective. Definitely a fun look back at at, at two very good teams in the Denver Nuggets and the Orlando Magic. So definitely a, a worthy look back there and a worthy listen there as well. There's plenty of other great podcasts too uh, to check out no matter who your team is. Uh, check them out, whether it's the NBA, NFL, MLB, or college too. There's a Locked On podcast for you. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. Before we boil down to some of the specific questions that, that, that we had throughout the season, um, it, it is important to take kind of a, a global look at where the Magic stand. As the league entered its hiatus, uh, which again, we, we don't really know when we're going to come out of this or, or whether we'll actually finish the NBA season. I, I still think it's, you know, it's 50-50 and, and my mood on whether, whether the season will actually finish, a, you know, changes relatively daily at this point. Um, but as things stand, the Orlando Magic are 30-35. and 35. They are 8th place in the Eastern Conference, a half game back of the Brooklyn Nets for 7th. Uh, and yes, as the schedule was laid out before the season, with a pretty good chance, it felt like, to finish 7th and, and, and be in the same spot that they were last year. Were the Magic going to get to 42 wins? A 12-5 record? Not impossible for this match team, especially with the way they were playing and the schedule they had ahead of them. They had a very home-heavy part of their schedule coming up right as the league went on break. But it would have been very difficult nonetheless. I don't think it would have been impossible. I think it would have been very difficult. This has been a season of disappointment. Uh, and not disappointment in that the way, the, how the Magic had finished or where the Magic finished was completely unexpected. 
running back much of the same roster. There was the expect- expectation for internal development, but still, it felt like this was a team that that had a little bit of a ceiling, had a little bit of uh, had a little bit of of uh, a little. Of, of just this is this is who they are and they would need something more they would need a player internally to develop into something greater or, or, or an external force to come in and push this team up to the next level sure there were some people that thought the magic could compete for home court advantage I was bullish on that I, I, I did see the magic finishing at seventh or eighth and roughly the same record as they had last year maybe a little bit better injuries changed the story on that though Seemingly from the moment training camp began, because it was not a good training camp for the Orlando Magic, or not the training camp the Magic wanted at the very least, injuries hit the team very hard. Whether it was Aaron Gordon missing a few games in preseason and missing some time in training camp with a, with a jaw injury um, after, he got popped, after he got popped in the face during a preseason game, whether it was Nikola Vucevic nursing a, a, an injury, whether it was Aaron Gordon and Nikola Vucevic getting hurt on the same day in November, and Vucevic missing 11 games with a sprained ankle, whether it was Gordon's nagging injury from coming back too soon from that injury, whether it was Al Farouk Aminu tearing his meniscus or DJ Augustine missing uh, 15, ga- uh, 15 games with an injury or Michael Carter-Williams missing a lot of time at the beginning of the season to Jonathan Isaac's major injury in early January. Yeah, that's a lot of injuries. And for a team that every piece has to be meticulously put in place, so that is a big loss. And so, yes, a a step back was expected with all that information added in. But still, this team has not played to its potential. Uh, And I don't think there's any way to get around that. The team's defense has slipped considerably. They are no longer one of the best defensive teams in the league, although still rated in the top 10. Um, It it is a very precarious spot in the top 10. It doesn't feel like it's the dominant force that they were last year. And the offense was... The offense was having a moment at the hiatus, but let's be real. It has been a struggle offensively for most of the year with a lot of missed open shots and just a lot of players just not performing to the level that that we expected them. Now, all credit to them. They still found ways to win. They still found ways to stay in games. They still found ways to give them a chance at making the playoffs. And I don't care what the other big picture elements say, that is a bit of progress. Uh, I do think that if, all the things that this year's team faced with if, if if this if this if last year's team faced everything that this year's team faced i don't think they would have survived i think they would have folded and i think they would have let the season go um that's not the case though this year's team had a resolve and i think that playoff experience really val- really gave them a lot of value of understanding what it takes to run this race not not necessarily saying finish it not necessarily saying you know advance further or play for something bigger than just the playoffs, but they know how to run this playoff race. And, and that is important. That is, don't, I mean, I don't think we should completely dismiss that idea uh, as unimportant. It is a big deal that Orlando was still a, that Orlando was still in playoff position with everything else that was going on or, or did go on uh, in this season. But nonetheless, a disappointing, a disappointing, uh, perhaps frustrating season for the Orlando Magic this year, and there is really no getting around that. So let's dive in to some of the questions that we asked throughout the course of the season. After the first quarter of the season, the big question facing the Orlando Magic was, will the Orlando Magic shooting get back to normal? In the first quarter of the season, the Orlando Magic shot 43.5% from the floor, the fourth worst mark in the league, and 33% from beyond the arc. 
Their 104.9 offensive rating was 7th worst in the league. Essentially, Orlando was missing a lot of shots. And, and, And while their defense was, at that point, one of the very, very best defenses in the entire league, the Orlando Magic just could not sustain the offense to support it. Uh, and you knew eventually things were going to crumble if that continued. What was really shocking at that point of the season was Orlando was still getting decent looks. Their execution was fine. You know, maybe they weren't making plays, but it just came down to making or missing shots. And you could typically live with that. But at the end of the day, results mattered. And Orlando was not getting the results that they needed. Things have not really changed over the course of the entire season. For the season, the Magic are shooting 44.2% from the floor, 27th in the league. 34.1% from deep, 25th in the league. And remember, Orlando was 12th in the league in three-point field goal percentage last year. The numbers never really corrected themselves. And you look at individuals that the Magic needed to perform at a high level, they have struggled. Terrence Ross, 40.7% from the floor, 35.7% from deep. DJ Augustine, 34.5% from the floor. Nikola Vucevic went to 32.9% on three-pointers on 4.6 attempts per game, perhaps taking a few too many three-pointers. Aaron Gordon regressed on his three-point shot down to 30.1%, certainly injuries playing a role with him. It all added up to a team that, frankly, just couldn't score. And and I think we've all kind of agreed, or I have certainly believe, that entering this offseason, the number one priority for the Orlando Magic, the number one thing that they have to do. Every move they make this offseason has to be about adding shooting. You could say that that was a mistake that Jeff Weltman made over the offseason. Yes, two of the biggest moves the Magic made in the offseason were to retain their best offensive players in Nikola Vucevic and Terrence Ross, but regressions from them were expected. Spending the mid-level exception on Al Farouk Aminu, while, as I argued over the summer, and I, I still believe this, was logical. Orlando wanted three versatile forwards on the floor at all times because... Pascal Siakam killed him in the playoffs when they had to switch Terrence Ross on him. They wanted that size. But Al Farouk Aminu is not a great three-point shooter. He really struggled. If, if you want to look at a player that really struggled offensively, Al Farouk Aminu's struggles offensively made no sense. He was missing bunnies this year. Um, the, the, the Magic really lacked outside shooting, and, and they didn't spend their capital or their, their, their free agent capital to improve it. Whatever capital they have this summer, they've got to spend it on improving shooting. But there was a bright spot, a little bit of bright spot. In the after the All Star break, in the ten games after the All Star break, the Orlando Magic had the best offense in the league, scoring 117.8 points per 100 possessions, with a 55.2 percent effective field goal percentage, ninth in the league. Terrence Ross shot 50.6 percent from the from beyond the arc. Michael Carter Williams shot 36.4 percent. DJ Augustine 39.4 percent. James Ennis and Wesawandu became reliable three-point shooters. Orlando started attacking with more pace and, and really going after the basket. So, at least in the 10 games before the season went on break, the Magic's offense appeared to have turned a little bit of a corner. But at the end of the day, this game is about making shots. It's about getting baskets and, and, and putting yourself in position to score. The Magic seemed to do a good job of the latter. But the former is ultimately what you're judged on. And Orlando's offense never really came around. And I believe that it's still the biggest question mark facing this franchise, facing this organization, as they look to improve upon their playoff position heading into the 2021 season. This is the overarching question that we're going to be asking really throughout this entire summer, throughout this entire hiatus, really throughout the entire rest of the season, 
is will the Orlando Magic continue to sustain uh, an offensive level that will get them into the playoffs and hopefully one day even a little bit further. Before we dive back into our questions for the season, uh, you know, we're all searching for content these days. We're all searching for sports. And there's still one place, at least, that you can get a little bit in on the action, whether it's sports or otherwise. My bookie has everything you need to stay into stay into the action and stay into sports, esports, or whatever is going on. Stay sane and stay entertained with access to your favorite games like blackjack, roulette, slots, war, yes, the card game war, and more. It doesn't matter whether you're on the front lines or quarantined at home. The fun doesn't have to come to an end with my bookie. Video poker, not your thing, but still need that poker fix? Well, my bookie has got you covered with a host of live casino dealers online. That's right. They have professional dealers at their tables live on site 24-7. Your favorite squad sideline because of the pandemic? Don't sweat it. My bookie has partnered with some of the leading esports brands to bring you wagers on virtual action straight from the court in NBA 2K20. Plus, you can always do your part to make your bankroll great again by taking advantage of shifting odds on political bets. You can trust the industry leaders in times like these. They're reliable, upright, and best of all, they pay fast when you win. Visit mybookie.ag and use promo code LOCKEDONNBA. That's LOCKEDONNBA for a 150% bonus on your first casino deposit. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDONNBA to receive a 150% cash bonus on your first deposit, and you can claim those extra funds all the way up to $750. Use promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate the offer once again for the 20th time. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA. You spin, you win, you get paid. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Moving on to our our next question here uh, that that we asked, um, and I think this is a really big one and one that I think Magic fans have just been eager to, to get into. How will the Orlando Magic further integrate Markel Fultz. I think entering the season, my expectation for Markel Fultz was that the Magic would sort of ease him into the lineup. That they would, you know, no expectations, low pressure, put him in positions to succeed and kind of bring him along at his pace, at his confidence level. Let him have the opportunity to make mistakes, but in in ways that would kind of minimize the damage perhaps to the team. I expected him to come off the bench for most of the season. I expected them to manage his playing time, to be honest. I thought that, that they'd have a, a rest schedule set out for him. I thought that they would uh, you know, kind of put in a, develop, a, a kind of development plan like the Raptors had with Kawhi Leonard. I was expecting a very kind of gloves-on, very, very cautious, just kind of let Fultz ease into the season. That was completely wrong. And that was completely wrong because Markel Fultz proved very quickly and very early on that he can handle a whole lot more. And in fact, I think the big question, and honestly, the big frustration 
that we that a lot of us might have with Coach Steve Clifford with his performance this year has been that Markel Fultz hasn't been given more, that they've been too cautious with Markel Fultz. From what we're seeing, at least in games and on the court, it appeared that Markel Fultz was ready for more and very, very quickly ready for more. That was most evident five games into the season when, when Markel Fultz was, uh, was raised to the, start, to the starting lineup. I, I, I certainly, I think we all agreed after watching him a few times that Fultz joining the starting lineup was inevitable. But Clifford's always been a little bit cautious with lineup changes. Orlando was struggling but not playing too poorly at the time. Fultz entering the starting lineup as quickly as he did was a complete shock and a complete trust, and not a complete trust, but at least a sign of trust in what this young kid was doing and what this young kid was, was how this young kid was playing. By this point in the season, but you know, as we sit here at the hiatus, you know, more than three quarters of the way through the season, Fultz has, you know, essentially played his first full season in the NBA without injury. He's missed only one game, and that was not related to the shoulder issue. He has been nothing but breathtaking. At the midpoint of the season, when I asked this question, how will the Orlando Magic further integrate Markel Fultz? He was averaging 11.7 points per game, 4.6 assists per game on 46.2% shooting. He is now up to 12.1 points per game, 5.2 assists per game, and 47.3% shooting. He is reliable in so many ways. Yes, still makes rookie mistakes. Yes, he can, he can be a little inconsistent still. And, and, and essentially, this is his rookie year. Defensively, he might lose focus from time to time, but he has stepped up big in other, other ways too. Um, there are certainly times where his shot isn't going for him, but he still finds ways to keep others involved and, and finds ways to attack the paint. Are players still learning and understanding Fultz's improvisational style? Yes. But that's something the Magic desperately need too. They need someone who can be a little unpredictable, that can, that can break down the defense off the dribble and just cause the defense to collapse around him when everything else isn't working or everything else isn't working as perfectly as it could. Markel Fultz has proven himself to be the, the special player that everyone thought he would be coming out of Washington. Maybe not first overall pick good, but still starter quality good. And I think that that is really, really important. What's really surprising, though, is he's doing this all on a rather pedestrian 20.7% usage rate. The Magic essentially use him like a replacement-level player. He's, he's one equal of all. And so the question has always been, or the, or the kind of ace in, the ace up Clifford's sleeve almost as far as ways to get the Magic to develop and, and change how they play a little bit, has always been... Give Markel Fultz the ball more. Give him more responsibility within the offense. Trust him a little bit more. Certainly that trust has to be earned, but judging by the way he has played this season, judging honestly by the way he has learned from his mistakes, I still think, you know, we, we on on Monday's episode of Lockdown Magic, we replayed a part of my live stream with Zach Oliver where we rewatched the, the Magic's game against the Los Angeles Lakers from Sunday, or, or from January, um, but that... That game was very much the culmination of a learning experience. Markel Fultz made a huge mistake in the loss to the Phoenix Suns. And he admitted that. He said, I got to be better. I got to be smarter with my passes. I can't turn the ball over there. And what does he do two games later against the Los Angeles Lakers? He closes that game out. With LeBron James guarding him, he, he takes him out of the paint and then zooms by him to the basket for a finish that gave Orlando a four-point lead they would not give up with, with less than 30 seconds to play. Markel Fultz has been 
one of the most impressive storylines of this season. And that game against the Lakers was proof that he was more than just a nice comeback story. He was a starter caliber point guard that is going to continue to get better, or, or at least with a full with an offseason to really work on his skills without having to worry about his health, has the potential to get significantly better. And frankly, the the thing about this Magic team is it does feel like they are holding him back. And while at the beginning of the season, I might have said that that's what they should do, they should be very cautious with him, make sure he checks benchmarks before they hand him more responsibility, it's been very clear watching him that he has cleared a lot of those check marks. He's cleared a lot of those a lot of those those benchmarks that he needed to clear. And it's pretty clear now that he is one of the core players of this team and one of the players the Magic will not let go under almost any circumstance. Because there there's there's very clearly or at least it very, it's very clearly seems like there is a bright future for Markel Fultz. The other question I had uh, close to the midpoint of the season was can the Orlando Magic rediscover Nikola Vucevic? In the Magic playoff run in 2019, a big piece of that story, a big piece of that story, was Nikola Vucevic just being consistent. Every single night you could count on him for 20 points, 12 rebounds. And you didn't have to think much about it. Honestly, uh, I think Vucevic made the All-Star team more on that consistency than anything else because, yes, he had a few big games. He had a few 30-point games, but whether the Magic won or lost was not really dependent on Vucevic's production. You knew Vucevic was going to give you what he gave you. And and so, to me, Vucevic was always more of a table setter. setter. He's the rock in the storm he sees, and it's everyone else that has to kind of push the team to shore. Vucevic is just going to kind of be the guide to get you there. He's not the one to finish games. And again, you know, do you want your star, do you want your best player to be a guy who can't finish games? That's certainly a debate to be had. You know, certainly I think we could all agree that that Vucevic, as good as he is, as um, as reliable as he is, is certainly a flawed player. And and if he's your best player, you you do have you do have some things you've got to work around. But this year has been a rocky one for Nikola Vucevic, both because of the injuries and because of everything else. At the midpoint of the season, when we asked this question, Vucevic was averaging 18.8 points per game and 11.2 rebounds per game. He was shooting just 44.6% from the floor and 36% from beyond the arc. As I noted earlier, Vucevic was taking more three. He's taking a career-high three-pointers up near five three-point field goal attempts per game. And this was really, I think, at the core of what was wrong with how the Magic were using Nikola Vucevic. The Magic were letting him shoot too many threes and not letting him get in the post enough. Now, since that point, Vucevic has played significantly better. For the season, he is averaging 19.5 points per game and 11 rebounds per game while shooting a 51.5% effective field goal percentage. That 51.5% effective field goal percentage is three percentage points worse than last year. So yes, he's less efficient. And again, the three-point shooting, I think, has a lot to do with that. The Magic are not using him as effectively as they did last year. That's, I, I think that's just the, the main bottom line. This year, he's scoring 0.80 points per possession on 3.9 post-up possessions per game, according to NBA.com's Synergy data. Last year, he scored 0.93 points per possession on 5.4 post-up possessions per game. Let's, let me repeat that. 0.93 points per possession is elite post-scoring. Post, the post-up play is not an efficient way to score, as has been debated ad nauseum throughout this NBA season. Post-up play is not efficient. So to average nearly a point per possession on post-ups is really good. And to do so on, on that many post-up possessions per game 
is good. But you'll notice he's down one and a half post-up possessions per game. So he's shooting less efficient on post-ups, which was expected, but getting far fewer of those opportunities. Vucevic is not a guy that likes contact. I think I think we can say that pretty safely over the, over the course of watching him for the last eight years. He tends to shy away from contact. He tends to pop instead of roll. Tends to tends to prefer to shoot jumpers than get in the post. And so, some of the symptom of him taking more threes is he's taking less of these more efficient shots that were his bread and butter last season. Vucevic is averaging a career-high 4.6 three-point field goal attempts per game. One and a half more per game than last year, and his career-high by 1.0 attempt per game. When was his career-high? The Serge Ibaka year, when there was another big man in the low post that gave him the excuse to hang around the perimeter a little too much. And honestly, I, would, I, think, we could, I think most of us would agree that was Vucevic's worst season in a Magic uniform, was that year with Serge Ibaka. And a lot of it was just fit, it fit and usage. It wasn't necessarily his skill. It was fit and usage. To be sure then, finding Nikola Vucevic's offense and getting the most out of Nikola Vucevic. We're not talking about trading him. We're not talking about his future with the team. We're talking about this team right now. Getting the most of Nikola Vucevic means getting him in the post, getting him closer to the basket, having him shoot less threes. And the Magic were honestly finding that too. After the All-Star break, Vucevic was starting to look more like an All-Star. 21.8 points per game, 12 rebounds per game, with just 3.4 three-point field goal attempts per game albeit shooting 23.5% on those threes. So fewer threes definitely helps him. Vucevic was being a facilitator and working closer to the basket, and this is clearly the key to getting the most of Nikola Vucevic. Now again, there are always those long-term term questions about Vucevic. They never go away. But for this Orlando Magic team, for this year's team, they need the Vucevic that they saw after the All-Star break. They need a Vucevic working closer to the basket. And that's really how they will discover him and rediscover him a whole lot more. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. I think the final question to address in today's episode, because... There is one more question to that that I asked way back when at the midpoint of the season that frankly deserves its own longer-form discussion, and that, of course, involves Evan Fournier's future, which is probably going to be the big Orlando Magic question over the offseason, and it's a question that the Magic may not have a lot of control on how to answer. It's, it's going to be a decision for Evan Fournier, but we'll save that podcast for another day, for next week, perhaps. 
the big question that 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 the last big question that we have to ask here is from the third the three quarter season mark. Is Aaron Gordon's turn permanent or a flash in the pan? As I noted at the top of the show, one of the things the Orlando Magic were counting on to take the next step in their development, in their franchise development, was some internal improvement with some of their young players. Jonathan Isaac had a fantastic year, taking a huge step in becoming a potential defensive player of the year candidate and a potential all-defensive team player, but certainly still left a lot off to, to be desired offensively. He still has work to do in his career. It's his third year in, in the NBA. You hope that he'd be a little bit more well-rounded, that some of the rough edges would be kind of sanded down at this point, but Isaac Stoll is is probably younger than his experience would suggest, you know, having lost almost essentially his entire rookie year and now losing about half of his third year. It, Isaac's still going to need a little bit of time to develop and grow, and he's still young, so it's worth the patience. The real question that I think a lot of us had, the real hope that a lot of us had entering this season was whether Aaron Gordon would take the leap whether Aaron Gordon would become the next star for the Orlando Magic. And frankly, yes, we're a little obsessed with stars and, and what it means to be a star. But we saw a lot of that in Aaron Gordon because he had such a well-rounded, kind of multifaceted game. He could play both sides of the floor. He could do a lot of things that were extremely encouraging. And coming off the playoffs, he looked like the best player on the Orlando Magic during the playoff series. And we thought that would be a springboard for him to start scoring more effectively and more efficiently like he did throughout last season and really take the reins of this team uh, and be its star. That just didn't happen this year for most of the season. It's been frustrating. Injuries have played a role as they have done throughout Gordon's career where seemingly little injuries, an ankle injury or uh, 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 you know getting hit at the wrong time, at the wrong point of the offseason, at the wrong point of training camp, seems to just throw him back, and he's always playing catch-up. I mean, you can go through Gordon's career, and it's injury after injury after injury. All unrelated, which is the frustrating part. So I wouldn't say he's injury-prone. He's just had a lot of bad injury luck. When Gordon has had healthy off-seasons, when he's had sustained stretches of of health, he has really blossomed and developed into a strong player. And that's what happened in the third quarter of the Magic season. For the year, Aaron Gordon is averaging 14.4 points, 7.6 rebounds, and 3.7 assists per game. He's scoring down for the second straight year, but more concerning so than last year. Last year, it felt like he kind of understood what he needed to do for the team. This year, a lot of inefficiency, sometimes trying to take over games when he shouldn't. He shot 43.3% from the floor and 30% from beyond the arc. His rebounding assist numbers in line with last year, but ob- and his defensive metrics are fine, but obviously his scoring never took off. After Game 41, so in the second half of the NBA season, a brilliant, which, you know, Game 41 was a brilliant performance against the Los Angeles Lakers, Gordon's game has changed significantly. In the second half of the season, Aaron Gordon is averaging 15.4 points per game. Again, not a huge leap in scoring, but still significant. 9.1 rebounds per game. 6.8 assists per game while shooting 47.7% from the floor. This despite shooting just 25.8% from beyond the arc. His three-point shooting has never come around, but yet Gordon is still making a major impact offensively. His increased activity on the glass, his playmaking and his scoring have all been huge benefits to helping the Magic really make a playoff push. And especially after the All-Star break, when maybe the momentum from the dunk contest or whatever... Maybe 
the, his play after the All-Star break maybe is previewing a different kind of Aaron Gordon. Maybe an Aaron Gordon that none of us really expected. I would not have believed you if you would have told me that Aaron Gordon would, would get a triple-double. Um, I know he's, he flirted with it once, but that was kind of a, you know, that was kind of a, a frankly, that, that felt like a screw you game at Frank Vogel, where he was just, you know, Frank Vogel got after him for trying to score too much and shooting too much, and Gordon just, just Gordon kind of gave the Kobe, well, I'm going to pass the ball too much then. I'm going to swing it the other way. And, and Gordon's game is, you know, you know I, I don't know if that's true. That, that was my perception of the game. Gordon's game has always been about balance. It's always been about understanding when he needs to score, when he needs to pass, when he needs, you know, how where he needs to fit into the offense. Uh, and again, when you are a starring player, when you're a player that is on the ball a lot, it is always about balance. But I never expected to believe that Gordon would be this good. You know, after the All-Star break, seven assists per game. It is regular for him to flirt with triple doubles, at least, uh, at, at least in the last month of the season so far, at least in the last month, last month before the hiatus. And so it has raised all new questions once again. Will Aaron Gordon ever become the scoring superstar? Will he ever be a 20-point-per-game scorer, a reliable offensive option, and someone who lifts everyone up? I don't, I don't want to say that he'll do that consistently. I, I, I'm, you know, I, I think that some of that shit might have sailed. That if he was going to do it, this was going to be the year to do it. Then again, he's just 24. He could, he could easily become that over the offseason. So you don't want to completely close the door on that. Could he be a Sean Marion style, which is always the best player comp for him, a Sean Marion style do everything forward, who defends at a high level, gets rebounds, can run the floor and score when needed. That's really the ideal for him. And this, and at least in the games after the All-Star break, the last 10 games leading into the season's hiatus, it is the closest we have been seen to the best version of Aaron Gordon that we can get. It was never the 40-point scoring, step-back, three-point shooting version that we saw two years ago. It was always something closer to what we saw last year, where he was just solid defensively, patient offensively, looked to pick his spots, didn't force anything. That was always the best version of Aaron Gordon. And the version that we're seeing now where he's cutting and passing and just making smart plays and playing under control, this is the best version of Aaron Gordon. And again, the worst part of it all is that the hiatus interrupted that rhythm. Something always seems to get in Aaron Gordon's way. At least this time it isn't an injury. The question, of course, for the Magic moving forward as they as they look to, to build their roster up and, and consider what comes next for them is whether they can believe that this is consistent, whether they, they can believe that this is the true Aaron Gordon. It is, of course, just his year 24 season. He is still extremely young. And so, I don't think you can give up on him yet. I, don't think, I absolutely think you cannot give up on him yet. But the question always becomes, how long do you wait? And is this just a flash in the pan or something permanent? And honestly, that may not be a question that I can answer fully at this point, but it is a question that will linger on heading into the off-season. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himway, Google Play, Spotify, and all the phone based on the podcast to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at R underscore MD. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow us there on Twitter at omagicdaily. On Friday... 
We are doing our voting in Magic Madness round of eight. We are nearing the final four of the Magic Madness tournament. So check out at Daily on Twitter around noon or sometime in the afternoon. I'll pin, I'll pin the tweets up to the top of the page. Um, for voting for Magic Madness. We've been we've been having a lot of fun with that. We'll have some comments on that coming up uh, once the tournament is over. Be sure to also check out the latest episode of Locked On NBA. On the latest episode, they uh, replay part of the conversation from Rejecting the Screen with Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko with Sean Marion, a guy that we just mentioned uh, with, with, with Aaron Gordon. They go back in the archives. You can check out Jake Madison and John Corrales discuss Kevin Garnett calling Glenn Taylor a snake and why he does not want his jersey retired in Minnesota. I know that's something we've been talking a little bit about here uh, on Orlando Magic Daily. Interesting discussion on Kevin Garnett and his legacy with the Minnesota Timberwolves. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossenreich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.